Touchdown, Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, even on a Saturday. On today's show, we are back after a walkthrough day, so if you don't see day eight on your podcast app, that's because we punted on the podcast for that day, but that means we have a loaded show for you today as the pads came back on. We have a ton of media to cover and a physical practice where Tua Tungavailoa and the offense shined once again. We have standout performers, the matchup of the day, and the most encouraging thing of the entire day. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so Xavier Howard was out there on the practice field today. He got some reps in the seven-on-seven periods. He was coaching guys up. He also ran gassers after practice. I want to go back to Friday with Brian Flores' media availability and play some sound from that media availability. Here's Coach talking about Xavier Howard so far in practice. I, mean, I think Xavier's done a, done, a, done a nice job. He's dealing with an ankle. Um, I think he's been very supportive of his teammates. I think he's been attentive in meetings. Uh, I think you see him on the field coaching guys up, young guys. Um, I think he's dealing with an injury like, um, you know, we have several other players dealing with injuries, and I think he's working on a daily basis to get back. Um, obviously, he's an important part of this team, and, um, you know, He's taking things day to day, and when he gets back, um, we'll get him in there and and, and get him working with his teammates. And, um, yeah, I think he's doing a nice job, you know, considering his situation. And it was good to see X back onto the field dressed in full pads at Saturday's practice going through some press drills, going through individual drills, getting some involvement there in the seven-on-seven periods as well. And the big quote you probably saw over the weekend was Brian Flores saying this, about Xavier and Howard? Uh, we don't want to trade X. Write that down. So uh, he's a very good player. He's a big part of the team. You know, we don't want to trade him. And other roster news on this Saturday here from the Baptist Health Training Complex is it was great to see Savon Ahmed back in there, free of the non-contact red jersey. He was back in his white jersey, and he had a good practice too, so it looks like he's up to full steam ahead. No Fuller and no Phillips today. Brandon Jones was shaken up at one point mid-practice as well. We'll get more about him for you guys on a later podcast down the line. Devontae Parker was a full goal as well, and Andrew Van Ginkle was also out there in practice for the Miami Dolphins. One thing we learned from Jesse Davis on Friday was that the Dolphins have structured out modified practice days for some of the veterans. Jesse said, unbeknownst to him, that they had this plan for him coming into camp. And he said he didn't know he was getting these modified days where you play a few certain periods. You go through some of the stuff like Xavier Howard, for instance, where you go through seven-on-seven, stretching individuals, and that type of thing. What else we got here? A couple other things I wanted to cover before we get into the practice notes for Saturday. Coach touched on the joint practices in Chicago that are coming up this week and the importance, or lack thereof, of first team, second team, third team distinctions this time of year. 
And we're going to kind of mix match those two ideas together here. As coach talks about the offensive line, he was asked a question about Solomon Kinley and his progression and whether or not he's playing first, second, third team reps. Here's coach talking about what's important this time of year. And it ain't which team you're part of because there are so many rotations involved in this time of year with practice and the evaluation. I think there's a lot of competition in that room. Um, I think you've seen guys work with the ones, with the twos, with the threes. Solomon's, you know, actually one, a guy who's worked with the ones, with the twos, with the threes. Um, but again, like I said, I've said, you know, numerous times, it doesn't really matter where you're, you're, you know, what group you're with. It's, you know, is your, you know, from alignment, assignment, responsibility, a technique, fundamental, are you doing the right things? Um, and that's for each player. Um, and that's really what we're looking for. And that's what's being evaluated. So it doesn't matter what group you're in. Um, you know, are you, are you taking care of business when, you know, with, with the reps that you, you have? As far as the team chemistry or chemistry along the offensive line, I think it's very important. Very valid question. Uh, something that we don't, you know, take for granted at all. Um, at some point, we'll, we'll kind of narrow this thing down to, let's call it five, six, seven guys. Because we've got to have at least, you know, seven, eight guys at the game. And whatever five of that group, that group has to have, you know, the chemistry you need to, to, to be an effective offensive line. Um, so there will always be some moving parts. I know, uh, you know I think we all like to say, hey, it's just five guys and let them play and let them work. But, again, you know, I think Barry asked us the other day, um, we got to get some other guys in there too. So that chemistry with the sixth lineman, the seventh lineman, um, there's not a big drop-off because inevitably that, that, that's going to happen. Um, so if you want to see all five every day for, you know, days and weeks in a row, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Uh, I, don't, I just don't think that's the best thing for, for the group overall. And, um, but, yeah, we're going to narrow this down to, you know, uh, you know, let's call it seven, eight guys at some point. Um, so then Coach was asked a follow-up after that because he said seven or eight guys about that number, seven or eight guys that you feel good about. How do you feel about those guys at this point of the season, this point of training camp? Here's coach. You know, early on, yes. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, look, there's some guys who are ahead of others. I mean, it's up to this point. But we still got, you know, the practices against Chicago will tell us a lot. The game, the preseason games will tell us a lot. So, um, Ann told me you guys are we're keeping score on this, but it's still early, you know. It's still very early. But, you know, the Chicago practices, that, that'll, that'll go a long way. The preseason games, that'll go a long way. And I just think, um, you know, we're not going to make a full-on evaluation or, or um, declaration of who's who until we get through that. Still early. Where is still the- early, still early, still early. A little fun there from Coach at the very end of that, and why wouldn't he have some fun with that? Good stuff there from Brian Flores. Three more here before we get into the practice notes. And I wanted to share this because – There was a tweet by a national publication that got a lot of run on Twitter, and I, like a lot of people, vehemently disagree with that particular take, basically calling the preseason glorified practices that are overblown this time of year. And as we heard Coach say, the joint practices and the games are very important in this process, and I love the preseason, especially Dolphins games. Frankly, 
the emotion of the regular season games that count in the standings is fun when you win, and that's the balance of life, right? The yin and the yang. If something is going to be that good, it also has to have the equal possibility of something that bad on the opposite end. And I don't love the drama of that because, well, sometimes it hurts. But in preseason, you don't have that emotional attachment. It's football for the sake of football. It's pure evaluation without a meaningful result as far as the scoreboard goes and the standings at the end of the season. So that's why I love it. But if my word's not enough to convince you for why the preseason is both valuable and entertaining for my money, why don't we hear from a player with regards to why it's important to them? Like Durval Kieres Neto, a practice squad player from the International Pathway Program who just picked up football not that long ago. You think these games matter to him? Let's hear from Durval. This is... This is everything I want. Like, since I came here, every day I practice, 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 and in the last two years I've been, like, watching all my teammates in the weekends going for the game, and I have to stay. And then, like, that every week, every week make me, like, more hunger, hunger for that. I want that. I want, I want to be in the game. Nothing, nothing is more important for me than being in the game and help my team. Yeah. I will take preseason football every day, every year, every week, whatever you want to call it. I'll take preseason games. Next, I think I had one tweet from Friday's walkthrough, and it was Michael Pilardi doing something I have frankly never seen before. And he was taking the football at midfield and punting it on a line drive, like not into the air, like not a hang time punt, but line drives down to Jason Sanders, who was at the 10-yard line, and he was hitting these perfect spirals that were getting down there on a line, and he was just putting it right on Jason Sanders' chest. So I asked Mike about this after practice on Saturday, and his face lit up. And apparently, even though it's uncommon, as you'll hear him say, he does it every day, and I guess I'm just so inundated with the rest of practice that I haven't seen it yet. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike. I don't think it's common, at least from what I've seen. Um, for me, it's it's uh, mentally getting myself prepared to kind of experience the elements that are around me. Um, my train of thought is if I can put the ball on a rope um, at a specific spot, a specific yard line, when I go out into the open field and I have this, uh, this ton of space, um, it allows me to be a little bit more comfortable with hitting directionally, painting the sideline if I want to, putting it outside the red line here on the fields, um, you know, trying to hit the ball so that the returner can't catch it, hit out of bounds. You know, those are the those are the best returns and the best punts, the ones they can't catch, right? So uh, that's kind of my train of thought. It, it kind of mentally gets me prepared, but it's part of my warm-up, whether uh, I'm before practice or before a game. So you'll always see that. That's uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed that last part there because I was I was really kind of showing my impressed, I suppose, opinion of that particular kick as I was nodding along with him and smiling because I just found it so interesting. So good sport there from Mike to tell me about that. But also, I mean, you can see how impactful it has been for him because he's been putting the football in the air on a line to the sideline, pretty much doing whatever the hell he wants with that thing when he punts it out here. And the last sound I wanted to play for him was this because he spoke about a connection between he and the coaching staff and why he's a good fit here in Miami with the special teams. Here's Mike talking about Coach Flores and Coach Crossman and their intensity on the special team side of the football and how that clicks with his personality and play style. Yeah, it manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, 
you know, Coach Crossman, Coach Flores expect a lot out of their specialists. And I expect a lot out of myself. So I, they challenge me, I challenge me, uh, my teammates challenge me, and I want them to. Uh, sometimes it's verbally. Uh, sometimes they don't even need to say anything, and I kind of know what, uh, what I need to do to execute my role, my job, whatever the play is. And if it's not met, I'm upset at myself. I've, you know, I've let my teammates down. I've let my coaches down. But you know, I think that's, I think that's what I need. And uh, I'm happy that I'm, I'm here to be able to witness it. And, of course, Miami special teams was atop the Football Outsiders DVOA metric for nearly half the season last year. It changed in December when they finished number six in DVOA. So, yeah, details definitely matter, and the punter is a big part of that. Finally, Lynn Bowden spoke to us after practice on Saturday, and I really liked what he had to say, albeit briefly, about working with Coach Studisville and Coach Godsey in the new offense. Also, quick aside, Lynn did say that he would play center if they asked him to. Said he wants to just play ball, but here he is talking about the new offense here in Miami. To me, I think the offense is magnificent. You know, the coaches, they, they, they took their time with it. You know, they just, they made it for us. And like I said, short and sweet there. All right, we've got more audio for you guys, but I'll, we'll work it into the story of the day here as we go along. And we actually start with this one. So more audio from Dolphins quarterback Reed Sinet, the second year QB who spent last year on the practice squad until a week 17 promotion up in Buffalo, where he serves as the backup to Tua Tungavailoa. He's here working again, and I think he's looked pretty sharp. Here's what he had to say Friday after the walkthrough about what you can gain from the walkthrough. There's so much to talk about. You know, we, we got a lot of uh, cover zero looks, so we talk about how we're going to protect it and how we're going to, you know, attack certain defenses. And so it's really great to do it at a learning tempo where we're all able to kind of talk it through and, and get, get the reps without, you know, the contact and obviously the physical nature that the game is. So it's great for the wide receivers, and then we can go in and watch the film and say, you know, here's what we can improve on. Now when we're in a live setting, hopefully we don't have to coach it up, you know, a second time. And so for the quarterbacks, these learning and the, the walkthroughs are huge. And the reason I play this is because, well, the defense turned up the heat at Saturday's practice on Dolphins quarterbacks, and I thought QB1 really handled it well. I didn't get as good of a look at Jacoby Brissett today because they were on the far field simultaneously as Tua and his crew were working on the near field. But I did see another bomb from Jacoby to Isaiah Ford, which, by the way, Isaiah is making big plays and tough catches off his frame down the field, whatever you want to call it, every single day out here at practice but watching Tua and the offense work through the pressure was quite a treat on Saturday. Real quick, before we get right back to that, you probably saw my Sandlot tweet, my reference, and I'm really getting into the references these days, it seems. I noted that Parker ran a route in the fundamental drills portion of practice, and the ball didn't change a thing about his route or the routes of the other receivers. And that was the whole drill. You just run your route, put your hands up, and the ball doesn't change anything about the rep. And thanks to the great community of Dolphins fans we have on Twitter, at Bushwood underscore CC shared this with me, and I was able to kind of confirm it and vet it through an article I found on the New York Times, simple Google search, not that tough, that I also shared on my timeline if you want to go see it for yourself. There are some great quotes from Calvin Ridley and other players from the Crimson Tide back in those days as well. But Brian Dayball, current Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, former OC with the Crimson Tide there with Tua, and here's the excerpt from that article. The Alabama offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, has a certain way of looking at the throwing accuracy of quarterbacks. 
All of them can drop back seven steps and hit a house with the ball, he said. Some of them can hit the door. A few of them can even hit the doorknob. Tua, Dayball said, can hit the keyhole. And I wanted to bring that up for you guys because of the ball placement. It has been my favorite thing to watch through nine days of camp so far. Then, today, we got another look at something good. And this jives with Tua's numbers against pressure as a rookie. From Pro Football Focus, Tua had a 65% completion rate last year with 674 passing yards against the Blitz, seven touchdowns, and one INT against the Blitz for a total passer rating against extra pressure against a fifth rusher or more of 102.2. And my first note was watching them go through a drill while stretching was going on, the quarterbacks working off to the side. They set up some bags to kind of simulate an offensive line in front of them, and then a coach would toss a specific bag at the quarterback's face as they went to throw the football, and that would obviously be a theme of the day on Saturday. And one of those themes was throwing the football, like I mentioned on Wednesday, like he discussed on Wednesday and covered it in the podcast. And if you haven't listened to it already, go do that. If you have, listen again. There's no rules against that. But the idea was throwing the football to a spot. And there were two instances where I really noticed that today at practice. One was a crossing pattern to Jalen Waddell, where Tua just, almost like you would on a screen pass, faded away from the pressure and lobbed it into the vacated space. And that's when the fun starts for Waddell. I mean, the speed, the athletic ability, the agility that he shows out there, it really shows up when the ball is in his in his hands. Another was Devontae Parker, one-on-one against Byron Jones. Parker took off and Tua caught, rocked through, got that thing out quickly, down the field, and the ball was in great shape. I thought Devontae was going to make a play. He did, went up and got the football, but then Byron Jones flies in from seemingly nowhere to get the pass breakup, and our social team posted that to Twitter, so you can find that play online. So it's the accuracy, the poise under pressure, the touch passes, the recognition of soft spots and coverage and how to get the ball to those spots for his guys to make plays. And then the last thing I want to touch on regarding Tua here in this podcast, the running. Man, he looks fast out there. He had a rushing touchdown and goal line work today. But the one where I really saw the Jets that made him the top dual threat quarterback in high school when he was coming out of St. Louis High School in Hawaii, Emmanuel Ogba gets immediate pressure off the blind side of the quarterback, and Tua felt it and took off right away from the pressure, and he outran everybody. He gets up the sideline and then reaches the football out like across the sticks as you go out of bounds, like you see some quarterbacks do these days, like Russell Wilson does it every time he carries the ball up the sideline. It was close to 10 yards, might have been 9, might have been 11, but either way, it was a very fast-looking quarterback back there for Miami. And actually, I mentioned I was going to finish up. We'll do one more here on Tua. We heard from Mac Hollins after practice, who is having himself a very nice camp as well. But after practice on Saturday, he touched on what he's seen as the biggest jump for the Dolphins quarterback in year number two. Here's Mac. Yeah, I think that's the biggest transition, especially in, really for the whole NFL, but for quarterbacks especially, that year one to year two where you understand how a season works. You know, you get out of college and it's like, all right, combine training, a million interview preps, and it's, you're so stressed you don't even know how to play football anymore a lot of the time. So now he's been able to take a deep breath and take control of the offense, understand the offense, and really shine out there. I mean, you guys see it. And that's a great way to segue into the receiver position because Mac also had possibly the quote of camp. He caught a long ball from Tua during the team period and scored from about 50 yards away or so. Plenty more of that today. And then Mac spiked the football at the end in the end zone, and someone asked him, or maybe he was a dunk over the goalpost. I forget. He's always doing one of the two. Somebody asked him why he's always having so much fun out there, 
And he said, you know, one day I'll be in a box in the dirt. I'm going to have fun while I'm here. And I love that. What a great life mentality. Mac is just, he's the best. He's the best out there. I also really liked him talking about studying Matthew Slater, the great longtime special teamer of the Patriots. Just insightful stuff from Mac. And we'll hear more from him here later in this podcast as well. But how about Jalen Waddle, man? I dropped an outcast reference on Twitter today with him because he just moves at a different speed than everybody else, compression sleeve or not. And like I've mentioned so many times, it's not just the speed that makes his game go. In a two-minute period today, he got free access up the middle, and Tua hit the back foot and fired that thing out, and he went completely stretched out and hauled that thing in on a great diving catch. He's been making catches like that all camp long, solid hands to go with the speed, an incredible catch on this one. He also caught one, and this was against pressure on Tua, on a little pass out into the flat where the pass kind of sailed a little bit in the face of pressure, but Jalen leaps grabs it, spins, and hits the ground like he's one of those wind-up cars that you have to crank up and pull back on the ground, then you put it down, and it takes off because you've revved up the tire so much. Just impressive acceleration, and he's just eating up catches and yards and touchdowns and team periods every day out here. A really good camp from the rookie, and to me, that's the story, nothing else. The way he's producing out there, and he's been available every day at practice, that is the story. And real quick here, that was a nice thing to see today with a couple of passes that weren't exactly perfect at times a lot of the time it was either a really good pass right on location but there were two three or four instances where it wasn't and two was guys made plays for him anyway like Matt Collins also had a really nice one-handed catch in two minute that put Miami in position for Sanders to air quote win the game the scoreboard read 13-13 Sanders connects from 50 yards he also did the exact same thing with the twos uh, also a 50-yard field goal and he also went five for five in the field goal period. So seven for seven, two game winners for Jason Sanders on Saturday. Back to Waddle for a moment. In a seven on seven period, Waddle ran this little jerk route where you stick your foot in the ground and change direction and basically play off the leverage of the defensive back. Like if he's inside, you stick your foot in the ground on the inside and you break back to the outside. You get your leverage that way because you're moving and the DB is stationary. And the DB was right there on top of it. And with him being on the left of Waddle, Tua throws it off to the right of Waddle, and his first step out of the break was all the separation they needed. So it's not just speed, separation from that speed, but a real understanding of routes, leverage, and the chemistry with his quarterback and former teammate and current teammate here in Miami. Jakeem Grant continues to have one hell of a camp. He caught so many slants today, two of them in a row during team period, and the second one was just pure beauty. He gets inside. And the ball, like we've mentioned, doesn't slow him down one step. And so even with the corner right on his back, he's able to unleash that speed and just takes off and runs away from everybody because we know how fast Jakeem can run. 88-yard punt return touchdown last season. He obliterates the angle of the nearest defender, and then Javon Holland gets over the top to usher him out of bounds after about 50 or so yards. So whether it's air yards, yak yards, they're finding ways to get big plays in multiple ways. Nice rhyme. Jakeem also got free in the seven-on-seven period for a pair of touchdowns from the 25-yard line going in. He caught the slants, deep balls, passes, and traffic, all of it. Big day for number 19. And then today was our best look at Devontae Parker. He caught a touchdown in seven-on-seven where I thought he did an awesome job getting off press coverage. Byron Jones came at him and attacked him with a jam, but Devontae got outside of it, and then Tua puts it right at the front pylon before the safety could get over the top. 
And of course, this comes after I tweet that Miami defensive backs were preventing everything deep in that drill. I was just watching downfield to see how they kind of passed off coverage and whatnot, and guys were blanketing, and Tua was taking the short stuff as the result. Another day of back-and-forth wins for the offense and defense. Also, Albert Wilson had a deep catch where it looked like Maybe someone busted. I'm not sure. I don't have the call, but the post was vacated and Tua found him in the middle of the field for a big gain. And the last note here on the receivers, Kirk Merritt, he makes plays every day out there, man. In the two-minute period, he ran a curl route where he fell down to his knees but caught the ball from his knees, and he had a few more plays from Jacoby Brissett in this practice as well. Merritt's have a very strong camp. At the tight end position, Durham Smythe and Seath and Carter had nice days. I was a big fan of their blocking in the initial run game period the first 11 on 11 was exclusively run plays and this was the most pad popping I've heard all camp long both of those guys were really good at sealing the backside edge and proficient with their technique in that way Durham also had himself a diving catch and goal line work similar to the Waddle play where he threw away from leverage but this one was a bit outside but Smythe went out and got it for his quarterback so again more stuff more good stuff I should say from the pass catchers and quarterback and how about the tailbacks? Man, Jared Dokes is a load. The majority of collisions out there come from his reps, and he presses the hole with real urgency, and he just keeps that downhill head of steam rolling. He believes in north and south running. Arm tackles on him are largely futile. And a nice kind of you know compliment to that style is Miles Gaskin in the run game. In general, I thought had their best day, but he sprung, Miles did. The first play of practice out the shoot for a big gain. He's moving very, very well. Looks a step faster to me. He's cutting sharply, making quick decisions. And with all the backs, I'm excited to see a game when you can get a better feel for how they're actually running with true live tackling against somebody else. But Miles caught a pass in space early on, and Byron Jones and Jerome Baker had a shot in open space and the sideline there as well, so basically only had one direction to go. And we know these are two of the best athletes on the team, Byron and Bake. And Miles made both of them miss. And I know that's very rare with these guys. So to see Miles do it, I like that. I can't remember if I dropped my Formula One reference on Jalen Waddle or not, but I used it on Savan Ahmed in the notes too because he is very quick. He forces defenders to get it right and get it right quick because he's coming at you with that speed. And the run game can't function without an offensive line. So today... Rob Hunt was moving bodies. More on that in a moment. We'll come back to that. Jesse Davis had himself a strong day too, I thought, especially in the ground game. He was clearing out some lanes for guys, and I thought Dieter and Eichenberg did well in this department as well. Eichenberg does a good job of staying on blocks, and I like the way Dieter comes off the ball. He's quick off the snap with a low pad level and seems to have really found his groove for playing in control as he climbs to that second level. Very difficult task to get onto the linebackers at the second level and square them up. He's been doing good in that area. I thought Austin Jackson did a great job in pass pro today, particularly against the pressure looks coming off the edge from that defense. He was passing off and sliding and showing you the athletic ability to quickly get to his landmark and then drop the anchor and stay square over his pads to make his pass blocks that way too. Other offensive line notes, Adam Pankey had one of my favorite blocks of camp where he just carried a block all the way down the line and stayed on that thing for the entirety of the rep. Stay on blocks. That's the goal for the offense. Get off blocks. That's the goal for the defense. Solomon Kinley had two reps that I loved. First, he and Skura hit a double team that cleared a big lane. And then Kinley 
came off and got another block on the second level. Later, I'm watching just the offensive line as the ball's about to come out, and I take a look at Big Solomon out there who comes off his man, who was originally stonewalled, and then put a hit on the man next to him, his man, and he got the pancake for that. He is the type of dude that you hate playing against because he always finds work. I remember asking him last offseason, or this offseason, I should say, and he said that his mindset was, I'm never going to put a rep on tape where the coaches can ask me about my effort, and we saw it on this particular play. Finally, Robert Jones and Jonathan Hubbard cleared what I thought was the biggest lane of the entire day, this one for Patrick Laird. He went 25 yards into the defense before he was touched, and man, 65 Jones is a huge man. His legs are so thick, and I think that's the second or third mention of that fact on the podcast. We look for bodies out here. That's a big part of football scouting. Look at body types, and he's got a big, massive uh, trunk load and leg load. How about some defense? Raekwon Davis, we'll get to him in a moment. His cohorts made some noise too, though. Christian Wilkins, he made a play in the backfield, made another play where he stacked and shed. But my favorite of the day was an effort play, which is kind of a daily thing for 94. He recognizes a quick screen, gets in the passing lane, and Jacoby Brissett has to tuck it and look the other way, and he runs away, and 94 stays in pursuit on his tail the entire way. Man, he's fun to watch play. And Adam Butler, stop me if you've heard this a few times now, he works himself down the line, comes off his block to get to the ball carrier for a stop at the line. Two gapping, one gapping, penetrator, inside, outside. Guy can do it all. Speaking of guys that can do it all, Zach Sealer blew through the line for what would have been a four or five yard loss TFL. And he does that, it seems, every day. He puts guys in such conflict with that combo of reach and power and quickness. Just a rock steady, solid, solid football player. Chevy, like a rock. Jonathan Ledbetter had a great stack and shed rep in the run period. He teamed up with Noah Igbenogany on a tackle at the line. And since that play is made off the edge, just go ahead and stay out there on the edge. Another strong day from Emmanuel Ogba. He had the pressure on Tua, I mentioned, where Tua escaped and ran for the first down. He had another would-be sack in the two-minute period on the Hollands one-handed catch and got some more strong work in the run game as well. Shaquem Griffin had another play with pressure. He got in and forced a throw away from Brissett into the team period. And the linebackers had some kind of day. Baker, McKinney, and then I thought Sam Egwavon had the best day of all. He was my defender of the entire day for that matter. He had fills in the run game where he's there before the back and just drops the shoulder and wraps up and makes the play. He came clean on a couple of blitzes, including one really nice pass rush move working on Solomon Kinley. He also pulled down a pick on Reed Sinet when Benito Jones batted a pass up into the air. And on one instance, it looked like the gap was open and then Egwavon came in, smacked the blocker and the contact knocked the blocker back into the gap and stacked that thing up. Man, he was filling, rushing coverage. He was scraping. And we talked about that in a podcast earlier. Scraping is when your D-line stacks it up and you work right off their butt, right off their outside shoulder and fill that gap. An a la carte kind of day for Sam Egwavon on Saturday. Bernardrick McKinney and Jerome Baker, man, they play nicely in tandem together, don't they? They are often first on the scene when the run game is stacked up. McKinney had a tackle for loss in the run period. Baker made some tackles close to the line of scrimmage as well. And he made up for the play against Gaskin later in the pursuit drill where he didn't take the cheese on a move made by Miles and stayed square and got the would-be tackle on that period. Calvin Munson had an awesome fill on a Jared Dokes run. And that was the biggest pop of the day. You could hear the pads from up in the seats. Also, Duke Riley, his speed, man, it does not slump. In fact, the team speed in general is so obvious at every position on this football team. But I noticed his speed and that down-up drill again, where he's just flying around. Then, later in team, 
He covers Savon Ahmed on a wheel route, and he matches Savon step-for-step up the sideline. Brissett tries to go back shoulder ball because Riley's on top of the route, but the ball's a little bit underthrown off target, and then Riley stands up and signals incomplete emphatically. He had a great rep, so go ahead and celebrate it. And we finish up here with the secondary, and we start here with some audio from Coach on Javon Holland and coach was asked about Javon and his progression so far here in camp coach talked about alignment communication the keys for a safety playing multiple spots let's just go ahead and hear from coach we're asking a lot of them you know multiple positions um, I think he's doing a nice job uh, but it's 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 not necessarily the interception and that's a good play and one everyone kind of sees but it's getting guys lined up, getting himself lined up, being in the right position, um, being in a good position to make, you know, a, a last line of defense tackle. Um, communication with the corners, with the linebackers, um, down a distance situation. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into that, that, that position. Um, I think he's taken on that responsibility um, and been very uh, – um, Let's call it forthright and, and, and tried to, you know, do a good job as far as uh, taking on that leadership or signal caller spot, um, which is it's hard for a rookie. You know, I would say to step in there and tell, you know, somebody else, say what to do. But that's what the, that's what the position calls for. So um, he's growing. Um, he's getting better. Still a long way to go. And, again, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the next few practices – you know, for us, these next two days and then – or in three days and then Chicago and then the preseason game, and then we'll um, just try to make, you know, steady improvements. And then I talked to Javon after practice about his play speed and what it is that allows him to play so fast. Is it the instincts? Is it the just general skill and speed you have? Here's Javon. TNTs, you know, the takes no, takes no talent type thing. Uh, it's just about effort and won that ball. Coach Camp went over um, – you know, he talked to us about just – feeling like the person with the ball is taking your livelihood and uh, to attack the ball every play like that. And nobody has an answer for that, you know, that 100% effort to the ball every time. So um, I think that's one of the one of the main things of, you know, trying to play fast is make sure that you know what you're doing so you can react and just go run to the ball. And he also talked a little bit about the value of having Gerald Alexander in the room and his playing experience. I thought Jason McCourty going back to the veteran was terrific today. And that's just great news to me because of the depth he adds to literally every spot in the secondary. I mean, it's nice to have a guy so trustworthy that has played every position in the secondary for 12 years now. And his most notable rep came in two minute when there's an in cut and he's on the back of Jakeem Grant, who's tough to cover deep. And then you have to be responsible for that deep pattern, but also be ready to drive on an in cut like he did right here. And this time he's on the back because, again, he's behind Jakeem and he has to work around his back and he does it successfully to get his hand in there for a pass breakup. Good work from Jason McCourty. And then Eric Rowe was also very good in my eyes today. I thought, or I mentioned rather, the the seven-on-seven checkdowns. I thought he was a big part of that because he was cutting off crossers, picking up seam routes, just a little bit of everything back there in that defensive secondary. And then in the one-on-one situations, he was also very good. On one rep, he blanketed Adam Shaheen. Two of throws away from the leverage. The ball hit Shaheen away from the leverage on the money, but Rowe gets his hand in there, separates the hands for the pass breakup. Then his next rep, he was all up in Shaheen's grill, forcing another incomplete pass two in a row on that matchup. Brandon Jones had a forced fumble on practice today against Jakeem Grant on one of those slants, but Jakeem fell back on it. And this was before Brandon got nicked up, obviously. Finally, Tino Ellis had a pressure in the team period. And that is it for my notes. Let's get to the top performers and the 
matchup of the matchup of the matchup of the day. <laughs> Today it was Rob Hunt and Raekwon Davis, and there was a rep where Raekwon initially, or rather Rob initially got push on Raekwon and then had to, while engaged, kind of flip his hips and seal off the backside of the formation. And I thought that the movement and athletic ability combined with the strength was on display on that particular rep. And he just got pushed all day long, really creating space, creating lanes, whether it was Raekwon Davis or somebody else. But I noted these guys in this matchup because Davis got a few of his own. And there was a play where he tossed the block aside. And I don't think that was Davis or uh, Rob Hunt, rather. But Davis tossed a block aside and then met Savon Ahmed immediately. Very impressive rep from the big fellows at a strong camp. And the initial power is just evident when you watch these two guys squaring off. Then you see them work with the technique. And I think that's where the real year two growth is evident. The way they work after the initial shock of the first punch. Because in college, you can maybe win a lot of the time with that pure power initially in the rep. But the real pros can counter and redirect. And I saw both of them getting it done in that way today. Today's top performers, let's go ahead and run through this list. I had Rob Hunt on there. I had Raekwon Davis on there. Also had Michael Dieter. Liam Eichenberg, I thought, had some good work in the running game. Robert Jones, we talked about him too. Sam Egwavon, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Jason McCourty, Eric Rowe, Miles Gaskin, and Tua Tungavailoa as your top performers. No Twitter questions today. We had a little bit of a long rundown, so we don't have time to get to it, but we'll do another one on tomorrow's podcast. So if you have a question, put it in the rating and review section on Apple Podcast, and we'll cover that. As for today, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps the podcast get out to more Dolphins fans. It's the best thing you can do for us here on Drive Time. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you should do that, at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. They had an episode drop last week. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.